0: Well, good morning. As we've been learning about uh, God's Spirit, we've been going through the Old Testament to uh, gain some insight, background, on the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, um, how the Holy Spirit interacts with man in particular. And so we've we've now made our way to the books of poetry. So we've covered all the books of Moses, and we've gone through the the history. And uh, at this point in time, we're we're skipping a lot of uses of the words ruach, because a lot of of those words are translated just as wind or breath. So as we go into this, you kind of keep in mind the idea of the definition that we've been given to this word that is translated as spirit in the Old Testament, ruach, it can be translated as breath, wind, or spirit. Uh, so we go to the book of Psalms, and the first one I want to hit <clears throat> is Psalm 33 and verse number 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. This verse that it, here, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. So this is a, a verse that... Um, that I almost didn't use because the word is translated, uh, the, the word ruach in here is translated breath. And as you look at that, it seems like a very good translation. Um, but as you think about this, this word then, in verse number 6 it says, the word of, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. So it's the word of God that spoke, you know, God spoke and everything was created. And then it says, and by the breath of his host, or by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So it's talking about all of creation and that the, the word of God was active there and that his breath or his spirit, the spirit of his mouth, um, all everything was created Uh and it's an interesting thing, too, as we look at the Psalms and we consider the poetry of the Bible, we, we often see repeated phrases. So one phrase is given, and then a second time it is, is given uh, different words to give the same meaning. So this is talking about, um, it, it really is kind of equating, there's a connection between the word of the Lord and the breath of the Lord. And that's obvious, right? You know, our words come because we breathe. But there's this interesting thing about the Spirit of God being active. The Spirit of God hovering, was hovering over the the face of the deep. We learned that. That was the very first phrase that we went to right before creation. The Spirit of God, or the breath of God, or the wind of God was there ready to burst forth. And then God spoke. And we see from this verse that there's a connection there, there's a connection between the word of the Lord and the Ruach of His mouth, the breath of his mouth, the wind of his mouth, the spirit of his mouth. And we see, you know, it sounds funny to say the spirit of his mouth, but this just kind of gives us an interesting take on well, what is ruach and what does it mean, and how do we translate it? And this is especially true at creation. But as we think about the connection between the word of the Lord and the breath. Uh, or the Spirit of the Lord, we also know that we've been studying quite a bit about the idea that when the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophets, then they spoke the word of the Lord. We talked about that last week. So, And that just makes sense. If a prophet's going to speak, the Spirit of God has to come upon him. So there's con- a connection between the Spirit of God and the word of God. There's a connection between the breath of God, the breath of his mouth, and that is his spirit the spirit of his mouth, and then the word going forth. Um, Elihu, uh, I, I don't... One of the books of, of poetry is Job. And so I claim that, that I'm doing kind of a survey of the books of poetry today. Job is a difficult book to gather um, a lot of teaching from because there were, there were three friends, actually four friends, who came along and were talking. And God said about those guys who gave these long speeches... Uh, you know, don't listen to them, you know. So, but I think these guys spoke some truths. They spoke a lot of truths probably, but also they had some things incorrect. But Job 33 is one of these places where it's just clear, I think this, that Elihu spoke truth when he spoke these words. So in Job 33, verse number four, it says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Again, there is a connection between God's Spirit and His breath. By the way, there is, it, it, it's odd that you can have in, in Hebrew, Hebrew is a what they call a word-poor language. Usually you have one word and it means a lot of things because they don't have a ton of words like we do. They aren't synonyms here and there and everywhere. Um, But this verse would say the Ruach of God has made me, the spirit of God, the breath of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty, that's a different Hebrew word. The breath is the other one. It starts with an N. I can't say it. I don't remember what it is. But this one is a different breath. And more specifically, it always refers to breath or breathing. So the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And, you know, I'm saying there's a connection between the spirit and the breath of God and his spirit. Um, Well, we even know in Genesis uh, chapter two, when God is talking about creating man, that, that he formed man and then he breathed into him. So to give him life, we have the breath of life. And that is the spirit of life within us. These things are all interrelated. God's breath, God's spirit being given to us, given us life so that we then have our own spirit to live either in, in, in accordance and in according to the will of God or denying him. So that's so there's just this wonderful connection we see. And it makes everything uh, a little bit confusing and interesting. And we got to talk about these words. What do they mean? How can they be translated? And what do we learn from it? So Psalm 33, verse 6, just in general, I I think this this statement, a very general statement, is that clearly at creation there is the connection between the Word of God and the breath of God, His Spirit, in creating things. Creating things out of nothing. All right, on to Psalm 51. Excuse me. In Psalm 51... Um, there are three verses right in a row that mention the word ruach. So verses 10, 11, and 12. And then on down, we, we're going to see it again in 17, and we'll connect those all. But just looking at these verses one by one. Um, Psalm 51, verse number 10. And this is, this is David after he'd had this terrible sin, and he finds out that he is guilty. And he's devastated by knowing that he has, um, he just has the weight of sin upon him. He says in verse number 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And again, here I want to point out this is the idea of repeating one phrase um, and then another phrase that is very related, almost exactly the same, to convey the same thought, the same essence. And so when you look at it like that and you, you hear God, say, or hear David saying, "Create me a clean heart; renew a steadfast spirit within me." Those in essence are saying the same thing. So, heart and spirit are, are they correspond to each other, and so uh, and they indicate this idea of life. This uh, this idea of you know going back to God putting life into us in creating us, he needs that renewed. He knows he has messed up the spirit that God has given to him, and he needs God to give him a new spirit, to, re, to create again in him a new heart, a new spirit. So a lot of people, I, this is kind of a little bit of a side note, but this is something that's in the back of my mind as I move forward with kind of trying to figure out everything about the spirit. The idea for us, for man's spirit, and what does it mean for man to have a spirit what does it mean for man to have his own heart his own life these words are all very uh, closely related a lot of people will try and take those words like spirit means specifically something and heart means specifically something just in general i think it's it, to me it seems really hard to do that maybe some maybe there's some truth to that maybe we'll explore that later and learn from it but in general let us just consider this idea that heart and spirit, spirit, they indicate our life. He's got a broken life, a broken heart, broken spirit. It's all messed up. Um, this relates very much to uh, what Jerry was talking about with our communion. We mess things up. We need somebody to come fix things. We need help. God is the one who can fix us. On to verse 11. It says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So here is, is he's realizing that he's messed things up and that his life is messed up. That that is putting a wall between him and the Lord God. And he is begging God, hey, do something, help me create, create me new again because if that doesn't happen, I know that this is going to happen. I'm going to get cast away from your presence. I'm going to, your Holy Spirit is going to be taken from me. And this is, again, this is David speaking. Remember, when we were looking at David, it said that the Holy Spirit came upon him, came mightily upon him from that day forward, as we read in First Samuel. So he has this Holy Spirit presence in his life in a mighty way, and he has done something that has put that in danger and he is begging pleading don't cast me from your presence don't take your holy spirit from me and in this as you think about this repetitive nature of the of the psalm of each of each verse it is a repetition so your presence and your holy spirit those correspond to each other he is about to lose out on god being in His life. And so take note of that. God's presence, God's spirit, they are, they correspond to each other. They're put closely together. They're very much related. And perhaps, just as I said, with heart and spirit, maybe they can't be separated and defined in some specific way to make them different. So we're learning about the Holy Spirit and that God's presence. His is His Spirit. His Spirit is His presence. Where His Spirit is, God is. Um, go on to the next verse. Because we're going to come back to verse 11 in a moment. In verse number 12 then, David continues, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Renew a... A steadfast spirit within me. A willing spirit. So here is this idea that, that David is, is presenting here is, is that man's spirit must be a willing spirit that is willing to obey the Lord instead of self. The reason he is in this mess is because he stopped obeying God, doing things God's ways, and he started doing things his way. So his sin with Bathsheba, his uh, murder of of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, that was his doing. It wasn't the Lord's will. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that was doing that. And he has put put everything into jeopardy. And so he now wants a willing spirit to obey the Lord again and not do things his way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. We must always listen to God, do things His way. Then on down in verse number 17, if I can just jump down there to that one, because it also mentions ruach, it mentions spirit. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So a broken spirit, a broken heart, again, they're equated, they're put in correspondence in conjunction, in conjunction with each other. And so this willing spirit that we mentioned in verse number 12 is this, a willing spirit is a broken spirit. A broken spirit says, you know, I, when I do things my way, I mess everything up and I hate that. I've broken my relationship with God. I've, I've ruined everything. In the garden, same thing. Sin led to brokenness and when they and they felt horrible they went and hid uh in the garden when they sinned the relationship was messed up but if we are willing to follow god that requires us to say i'm not going to do things my way it's a it's a humbleness before god it's a brokenness before god we realize that when we do things our way we mess everything up so understand this this concept and um and see you know if we're going to be able to do things according to the holy spirit we can't do things according to our spirit we must have a broken spirit a heart that is broken and contrite a willing willingness there so now let's as we think about this phrase that is used and and again, we, we've talked about this a lot as we've been going through this Old Testament study, the, the idea of we have our own spirit, and then there is God's spirit. And which one are we going to, you know, we've got to have our spirits working together if we're going to please God, or else we're lost, we're, we're going to be destroyed. Okay, so up in verse number 11, when, when David says, cast me not away from your presence, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Um the presence that these that Adam and Eve had in the garden. Jerry's got me thinking about the garden a lot today because of the communion. Um, they were in the presence of God. That's the best thing about the garden. God came down and walked with him, with them in the garden. He was present with them and they got kicked out from that presence. Um, so that is lost, that is destroyed, but They lost the presence, being present with the Holy Spirit. And that's the devastating thing. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is where we want to be. We want to have communion with that Spirit, a fellowship with that Spirit, a presence with that Spirit. That's what God, He created man so that He could walk with them and be present with man. And ever since that day that man lost that, he's been working to restore that david's crying out don't take your holy spirit from me david has gained entrance back into the very presence of god his the holy spirit of god is with him and he is pleading to not lose that holy spirit in verse number 11 that is the first time that the word or excuse me the phrase holy spirit is used in the bible so here we always talk about father son holy spirit it's not until the Psalms that we hear the phrase, the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this phrase a little bit more. It's only used three times in the Old Testament. Uh, hopefully I'm not missing out on this, but uh, and there's not something I somehow missed, but three times that the phrase Holy Spirit is mentioned uh, in the Old Testament. So let's, uh, let's, let's consider this and um, and talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, um, Isaiah 63.10 is the other one of the other uses. So there's three times it's used. Uh, Psalm 51, and then in Isaiah 63. Turn there. We're kind of jumping ahead because I was supposed to be saving the prophets for next week, but it fits. We have to look at this. We're going to go to it today. Isaiah 63, verse number 10. And this is speaking about the Israelites. He says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. So in, in in this verse, according to Isaiah 63, 10, when God's people rebel they grieve his Holy Spirit. And that makes sense. We see that with David. He knew he was grieving the Holy Spirit. If he didn't act, if he didn't take action, if he didn't fix things, that he was, that Holy Spirit and its grief was going to be taken from him. He was going to lose out on that presence. And so he has to fix things. When God's people rebel, they grieve his Holy Spirit. Um, look at the next verse. It says, then his people remembered. So when, when God turns, when the Holy Spirit's grieved and God tur- turns against his people because his spirit's grieved, he turns against them, starts fighting against them. It says, then his people remembered those days of old, of Moses. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them so holy spirit it's used in psalm 51 and then it's used twice together right here in consecutive verses in isaiah 63 and here in isaiah 63 verse 11 it confirms that it was the holy spirit that was present with israel so as we've looked through the old testament we haven't talked about the holy spirit spirit being present with Israel except when it came upon specific people now we get our view broadened and we gain a little bit more information and we realize that it was the spirit of god that was present in the midst of the god's people Israel throughout the old the history of the of the people so let's consider some of these uh, places where the Holy Spirit was present, and again the presence um, of God, the presence of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God among man. It's a kind of Himself making Himself known, making Himself manifest. He shows up. Let's go back first to Isaiah. Um, excuse me, Exodus thirteen, <clears throat> and there's other pl- passages. So we think about. Um, uh, you know when when God showed up and started talking to uh uh Moses in the burning bush, that was his presence, and that was the spirit of God being there, and it's referred to as the angel of the Lord and so we get in all of these phrases that seem to uh intermesh and mean the same thing uh in exodus thirteen then verses twenty uh twenty one uh, and, uh, and 22. And again, we're coming here because it, the, Isaiah 63 said it, the Holy Spirit was in their midst. And this is where we see the Holy Spirit in the midst of the Israelites when he brought them forth, brought them out of Egypt. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So here it is. The Lord of God, excuse me, verse 21, the Lord God, he is going before them in a pillar of cloud in the fire. He is in their midst. The Holy spirit is in their midst fire and cloud represent God's holy presence, His Holy Spirit. Go to chapter 14, verse number 19. i got to flip a page here. says, The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. This is going to be during the 40 years of wandering, this is what happens. Um, when they're in the wilderness this is what happens even before they set up the tabernacle and God comes and dwells in the tabernacle he is with them his presence is with them this is his Holy Spirit Exodus 33 I think this is the um, well in Exodus 33 um, it's more of the same kind of language um, with the cloud and the pillar verse number 9 and 10 Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand on the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship at the entrance of his tent. So here's a reference to that tabernacle, which was, was to be made um, in God's presence coming in and out of that, that location. Exodus Chapter 40, the very last bit of Exodus. <clears throat> this is when they actually were erecting it. They finished building it, building that tabernacle that the instructions have been given to them, um, given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It says, then the cloud, everybody knew what the cloud was. That was the presence of God during the day. It was a cloud. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord Filled the tabernacle. So now I look at that verse and I'm like, here's another, the glory of the Lord, the, the weight of God is, is coming and filling the temple, um, or excuse me, the tabernacle. So that cloud is there, the temple is filled, the, excuse me again, the tabernacle is filled. Verse uh, 35, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever a cloud was taken up, from the, over the tabernacle, the Israelites would set up. So they'd know it was time to leave when the cloud would come out from, from the tabernacle. Um, and they would say, all right, it's time to pack up. The cloud came out of the, the tent, so now uh, it was time for them to pack up and move on. And it constantly happened. They knew when to, to park and set up camp, when the the spirit Came down and dwelled among them. Um, let's go on to Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 10, here's more instruction for. Um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this Leviticus is more instruction about the uh, to the priest and how they're to make the sacrifices and everything. In verse chapter 10. This is some of the first things that are done in the presence of in God's presence after the tabernacle is set up. It says, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died Before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So God's holy presence at the tabernacle, He is a holy presence. His spirit is holy. That's the Holy Spirit that is there. And if you're going to come into that presence, you better do it like I instructed, or else that spirit is going to be grieved and God is going to fight against you, we see God, His Spirit turned against Nadab and Abihu, killed them. All right, now on to Numbers chapter 9. These are all places where we see the God's Spirit, His presence, um, His Holy Presence, His Holy Spirit being with them, being with the people. Numbers chapter 9, uh, verses 15 through 17. Now, on that day, the tabernacle was erected the cloud covered the tabernacle the the tent of the testimony and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning so it was continuously the cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night and again same stuff it is god repeating god sharing with with us what he was doing for the israelites he was present with them the fire and the pillar of smoke or the cloud by day the fire at night and then also Deuteronomy one last one and this is just emphasizing God's holy presence among the people of God Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 32 and 33 but for all of this you did not trust the Lord your God who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp and fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. And just an, an amazing verse, the Spirit of God, the presence of God. If you have a broken and contract heart and you're you decide, hey, I'm, I don't want to follow my ways because it always ends in ruin. God's presence is there. His Holy Spirit is there to lead and to guide you in the right way. The people of God, He was there. His presence was there. His Spirit was there to lead people the, in the right way to go. And so you think about prophets in the Old Testament. They were being led to speak in the right way. They weren't speaking their own words, they were speaking the words of God. You think about those judges that we looked at, that the Holy Spirit came mightily upon them. It gave them great courage to do what they needed to do for God so that they could could fulfill what they were called to do. God's presence comes upon people to lead them in the right way. All right, so let's, let's move on from here. That all came about because we saw this this first uh, language being used, the term "Holy Spirit," God's Holy Spirit, and uh, we noted that in, in Psalm 51. Go on back to Psalm 51. Uh, in Psalm 51, verse number ten, uh, verse number um, eleven was this idea that your presence and your spirit. They're kind of in conjunction. We see it all through the Old Testament. Those places we looked at, God's Spirit was present because God's presence is His Holy Spirit. And He was present. He was there to guide and to lead. And that's what His Spirit does. All right, so now, on to Psalm 139. Let's go to our last couple of verses here to wrap this up. Psalm 139 Verse number seven. It says, "Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence?" Oh man! And this is this is a, a verse that Jonah should have learned. Right? You can't escape from God. His spirit was is present wherever His spirit wants to be present, and it is God's spirit is going to be everywhere. You cannot escape from the Lord's presence. You can't escape. From his his Holy Spirit. Look at um, verse uh, Psalm one forty three. Let's go to our last verse, Psalm one forty three, and verse number ten. And this is the verse that kind of, uh, I, I really kind of brings it all together. What we looked at from just from the Psalms, um, uh, from the poetry. And I've got a couple of other verses to look at to start our our sermon next week from Proverbs and maybe one from Psalms too. But, But this is, Psalms just really portrays accurately, I think, everything we've already learned about the Spirit. And in Psalm 143, verse 10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So this isn't a good breath, it isn't a good wind, it is the very the very breath of God, the Spirit of God, that if we would just turn to it and follow it, God's Spirit is present. So let us be willing to follow Him. The Spirit of the Lord is good, it indicates here. When we try to follow our own spirit, we end up messing things up, that is bad, but the Spirit of the Lord is is good. So let His Spirit guide you. And don't grieve His Spirit. Follow that Spirit. Trust Him. And do the things that you ought to be doing. Um, don't grieve the Spirit like David did, his terrible sins that he committed. The Israelites, they were the ones that even go, though God's Spirit was was with them, He led them through His his Spirit led them through the, um, uh, through the sea on dry ground. And then they watched the, the Egyptians get destroyed behind them. God's Spirit, His presence with, with, was with them. It was manifest over and over in every way. And it is true, He is with us if we are willing just to follow Him and obey Him, to listen to Him, to not do things our way but to trust in Him. Don't grieve His Spirit. Live according to that Spirit. And if there's anybody who needs to give their life over to the Spirit, and that Spirit is calling you, bidding you come to me today, then we want to encourage you uh, to give your life to Him. If you need to be immersed into Christ so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, we invite you today to come you need to respond in any way, we'll, we invite you to, to, to respond as we sing this song.